there is a famous quote by G.K. Chesterton in which he observed this. He said, the Christian ideal has not been tried and found wanting. It has been found difficult and left untried. Alice Willard was one of many people who used that to say, hey, I think we've gotten the approach to Christianity and particularly our sales pitch, if you will, to people wrong. I think people need to be told that the way of Jesus is going to take everything and it is worth everything. And in this week's podcast, that's what we're gonna talk about. So welcome back, friends. Welcome back. We are just delighted to be here with you week after week. John and Alan back in the studio this week, here in the week of February 26th. Thank you. Alan's just got to orient me often. Um, I want to riff on that Chesterton idea. I, I think there are some really, really big things happening in culture, in the human soul, and, and frankly, in Christian discipleship that we need to just kind of lay on the table and say, can we be honest about this? Can we talk about this? But before we get there, let's do what we do every week because the pause that we take at the opening of the show is intended to bring you into a monastic experience. It is intended to deliver you from the world and its chaos and from the kingdom of darkness and its chaos and bring you back, like literally back into your own body and out of dissociative chaos and to ground you in the presence of God. So this is very intentional. And there's a reason we keep this up week after week. It is for your soul. So let's pause. So Father, Jesus, Holy Spirit, I need to stop for a moment. I just need to check in on my breathing. Why, are, why am I breathing short, shallow breaths, Lord? Why, why is my body tense? Father, Jesus, Holy Spirit, I give all of it to you. I give you the world. I give you the news. I give you my work. I give you my loved ones. I give you my questions about the future. I release everything to you in order to have you. So take a moment, friends, and just give everyone and everything to Jesus. Jesus, I pray that you would restore our union, renew my soul's union with you, my heart, my mind, my spirit's union. Fill this temple with your presence. Amen. So Christianity has not been tried by the world and by large numbers of people through human history, actually, and found lacking, mm -hmm. right? Doesn't right. work. Right. What, what has actually happened, Chesterton observed, is no, it, it was found to be difficult and left untried. 
like, oh, I, I don't, I don't this take up your cross stuff, this make disciples of all nations stuff. I, ooh, die to self stuff. I don't know that that's what I'm looking for. Yeah. That sounds difficult. So I'm going to go, I'm going to go try something else. That quote is so disruptive. Right. And yet rings mm. so true. But yeah, it's, I think we want to make the gospel as appealing as it can be and then mistakenly water it down or lessen, lower the bar, lessen the requirements of what it means to be a follower of Jesus in the process. Yeah. There was a pretty famous, um, I don't want to call it a study as much um, as it was kind of a an analysis of the seeker-friendly church movement. Mm. It was very, very big in the 80s and 90s and then in, into the last two decades. But the idea being, hey, we got to make this feel relevant. Um, it, it's got to be where people's needs are at and like have really great speakers and really good music and don't make people uncomfortable in church, right? right. Make it friendly. And listen, it brought a lot of people to faith. So I'm not, this, not dissing. Yes. But one of the people that was central to that movement uh, and in one of the major churches of it, um, kind of did an analysis and said, yeah, it, it failed to produce disciples. And most of the people after whatever time in there left to go looking for a church that would actually give them the rest of Christianity. Yeah. Okay. So there's a couple of phenomena going on right now that I want to point out. And the first thing I'm going to do, I'm going to recommend a couple of podcasts. Um, and Forgive me if I don't mention yours, but I'm just going to name it because there is a phenomenon going on. I want to recommend John Tyson, the Church of the City, New York podcast. Mm. So Tyson is an Australian pastor ministering in downtown New York City, uh, and his podcast is just exploding. It's excellent. He is a great teacher. He is deeply grounded in the scriptures but it's also a phenomenon. And alongside of it, I want to recommend the John Mark Comer podcast. There's actually kind of several of those. Comer was a pastor and now is primarily just an independent teacher of the way of Jesus. And what's fascinating on those two podcasts, Alan, it, and we'll put those in the show notes, folks. These guys are not offering an easy life with Jesus. They're not offering, you know, fun little stories and hip little tips right. and, you know, kind of pop psychology. They, they are offering deep, sub substantive biblical teaching, but more, and with that, they are inviting people to take up the practice mm -hmm. of Jesus and the way, what we call the way of Christ over the centuries. That, yes. Dallas Willard wrote a book called The Spirit of the Disciplines in which he tried to make a case for, listen, uh, and he used the Chesterton quote, right? And mm -hmm. he said, look, that for centuries, Christianity was presented to people as an alternative way of life, not just something you believe in yeah. or something you practice on Sundays or Friday nights, if that's kind of your church thing or Right? right? So you have this phenomenon right. going on. This is, this is where I want to start with. You have Tyson and Comer's podcast. 
that are exploding. Mm -hmm. And then you have this movement of adults and young adults into serious church traditions like the Eastern Orthodox Church, which is a very demanding, you know, most Eastern Orthodox services, you stand for the entire time. There aren't pews there. Now, there there are some for the elderly and that sort of thing. But they're being unabashed of, if if you want to come and walk with us in the way of Jesus, this will be difficult. Are are you ready for that? So you have these these phenomena going on right now. What do you make of that? Well, I think that deep down, we all know it's better to be part of something that costs something Mm. and, and, and that doesn't come handed to us on a silver platter that's all about us. And I wonder, John, as you were saying that, one thought I had was, I think that's why church and faith is growing internationally more so than in the U.S. right now. Like I, you mentioned in a few, uh, a few podcasts ago, mm-hmm. how 50% yeah. of believers are falling away here. And I think part of that is because we've, we've, they're not falling away from the true call I don't believe of what God asks us into or invites us into, but they're falling away from what we have said is faith in America, which is you sit in a pew, you listen to a sermon, the music is often like no different than a rock festival or some you know event you would go to. Uh, very little is asked, very little is required, and other than to give money. And serve right. in the parking lot yeah. ministry. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. But but not much else is asked of you. Right. And so you never have to, I, I don't think you see what Jesus is really inviting people into when he says, follow me. It becomes um, a way to enhance your life. Yes. And that's never what it was meant to be. Well, and right? therefore, when it doesn't deliver quickly. Yes, and I want to. I want, but when it doesn't deliver easily, when it doesn't have e- either an instantaneous or a fairly short <laughs> runway to take off, um, the people are like, "What the what the? You know, I I this isn't helping. I'm going to go find. Right. You know, I'm going to go to my yoga class. I'm going to go learn mindfulness. I'm, you know." Uh, yeah, I'm going to go do rituals in the Brazilian forest with shaman to have transcendent experiences. Like, I'll just go somewhere else. If, like, exactly. The world's got all kinds of options. This didn't work for me. And I, I, I really think we have to be honest about what the comfort culture, and I think some very, very earnest desires for to introduce Jesus to people, plus... Um, and it's, oh, we are so close to this. I can feel like ooh, a little bit of the heebie-jeebies here. The therapeutic culture has done uh, in the developed world to followers of Jesus, to I think, to confuse them on the actual cost mm-hmm. of things, uh, but also to the non-believer with the sales pitch of, hey, you know, Jesus is your pal. And that's really kind of all you need to know. Right. You know, but I think particularly in some of the, you know, youth movements and stuff, Jesus is just really cool. And that's kind of all you need to know. And, that, and yeah, there are just some fascinating movements going on. The I'm thinking of the Franciscan friars 
and and their work with young men and and with young people in inner cities, and they are honest with them about the cost of the way of Jesus. This this isn't just fun, right? And right. it's not easy, right? And that invitation stirs something, I think, in our hearts when we finally understand. What is it that Jesus is calling us into? Like, here's, I'm just going to read a scripture mm-hmm. to you. But this is from Luke 9, 24 and 25. And Jesus is saying, if you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world, but you yourself are lost or destroyed? Mm. Like, he's not sugarcoating it right there. Mm-hmm. He's not talking about if you follow me, your finances will get better yep. or your your you know family will not argue anymore or the five tips to anything the kids will turn out right there's yep. no guarantee of that the guarantee is though if you follow me you will find life and if you try to hang on to your own life you'll lose it and and that is a message i think we've just lost largely at least in america it doesn't fit the comfort culture. It doesn't fit the TikTok message. It doesn't fit the trendy thing that we're trying to link Jesus to. Yeah. And in the process, yeah, people find that wanting and then leave. Yeah. And then they think Christianity is a failure. God's a failure. This Jesus thing is, is, is a failure. That's not the failure. Right. Christianity has not been tried and found wanting. It has been found difficult and left untried because they were not taught, we all were not taught the way of Jesus. And so Dallas would quote Chesterton and say, no, no, look, let me recast this. We've heard a lot about the cost of discipleship, what it costs to be a disciple. But what Dallas would say is, do you know how much higher the cost is to a human life not to be a disciple? Hmm. Okay. Because if you, if you take a human soul and you simply throw it into the, the current experience, whether you want to call it postmodern life or late modernity or post-postmodernism, just the chaos of the world as it is, the collision of narratives, the lack of groundedness, you know, all the institutions that used to provide stability, family, church, education, you know, e- even political government systems. You know, there's just enormous amount of suspicion now on any of those fronts yes. and, and brokenness and heartache and betrayal. Yeah. And so you take, you take most of those systems away and you have, this, you have a soul that is left adrift. And then the hostile forces that we were talking about, mm-hmm. you know, the predatory forces of the kingdom of darkness come after it and say, look, folks, <laughs> there is one safe place in the universe and it is a life that is deeply centered in Jesus Christ. The Lord is my refuge and my fortress, yes. right? Right. The Lord is my God in whom I trust, right? Psalm 91. Yes. Well, taking up the way of Jesus, accepting like I need to die to self, that's a good thing mm-hmm. because that's going to ground me in a life in God, which is resilient and joyful and everlasting, by the way. Yeah. 
right? Right. Okay. So you throw that poor soul in there and you don't ground them in that. What are they going to do? Right? They're going to, they're going to be devoured. They're going to, they're going to be adrift. It's like a person in a life raft on the ocean. There's, there's, there's very little hope of survival. Okay. So to contrast what you were quoting, he who seeks to save his life, suke is the Greek there. It's where we get the word psyche, um, your soul, your psyche, yourself, like the eternal part of you, like the internal you. And there are a lot of ways to seek to save yourself, mm. right? Self-protective strategies against love and intimacy and relationship, right? right? Controlling strategies that put you ahead of the class, that put you at the top of the promotion in the company, you know, all those things that we do, withdrawal, isolation, all those things we do. Jesus is saying, look, if any other option but a life that is completely given over to me and practicing the things I told you to do, you will lose your life. These things, I I know you think that the comfort culture works. I know you think a little bit of Jesus, I call it the Jesus and. Right, right. Jesus and my politics. Right. Right. I'm right. just I'm just as concerned right now about the, the 24 presidential race as I am about Jesus. Yes. Right. Right. Or, or Jesus and my kids. Just as concerned about my kids mm. as I am about Jesus. Jesus and my company. Jesus. Right. Right. Jesus and the next vacation doesn't work. No. And it doesn't work either to always want to have the escape plan or the backup plan mm. where, yeah, I believe in Jesus. But in the back of our mind, we know we've got some options if we don't hear from him, Mm. if things turn south, if we feel neglected by God. Like, and I think, John, that to me, it goes back to, you know, the whole story of when people in the days of exploring new lands, the captains, once the boats would arrive, would often burn the boats, mm-hmm. right? Because they mm-hmm. knew yeah, if those boats are sitting the there, yeah, right, right, then as soon as times get harder, as soon as people decide this isn't quite what I thought, they're ready to, you know, yeah. head back out. Yeah. And I don't think many believers have that mindset of I'm all in. I, I have burned the boats of my past life. I'm not turning back when things get hard or when the culture turns against me or when it's more costly to be a Christian, I'm all in Mm -hmm. because I think we still have, as a culture, a mindset of I'm in to a point. And that's the most dangerous place to be of all, right? It really is because a house divided against itself cannot stand. Jesus tells the story of, you know, two kinds of people, those who hear my words and put them into practice and those who don't. What's interesting is in both parts of the analogy, Jesus says, the storm comes. Mm. I am not promising you that if you walk in my way, the storms of life will not reach you. Right. He doesn't say that. He says, if you put my teachings into practice, when the storms hit, you will be okay. Mm. You will be the house built on the rock. If you don't, Right. If you are a casual, partly interested person in Jesus and partly divided, right, right, the, how great the collapse of that house, or it's the Lot's wife warning, yeah, right, where it's like, yeah, I want to follow you, thank, 
thank you, but I also want to look back. I'm, I'm divided in my heart where I want Jesus and, right? Jesus right. and my PhD, Jesus and this marriage that I, I just got engaged with, you know, Jesus and just something else that is rival mm -hmm. for, and it's not just belief. It's not just affection, but it, but it is a life where you are a follower, putting into practice, literally taking upon yourself the yoke of Jesus, yes. right? right? I want to learn your way and allowing mm -hmm. him to be the operational Lord. Let's call it functional Lordship. Yeah. Right. Oh, Christ is my Lord. Absolutely. I believe in him. I'm, I'm going to heaven when I die and go, well, okay. And what about the functional, operational, day-to-day, -day, your values, your choices, how you spend your money, Right. who gets your time, who doesn't get your time, the media you consume or not, right? Right. When we compartmentalize and think, oh, this doesn't really have anything to do with my faith, or this doesn't have really anything to do with my relationship with Jesus, you know, it's, it's a movie. And yet in that movie is a lot of toxic things that can come against your soul. Oh my gosh. It's a gateway to who totally. knows what. Totally. So yeah. Um, but my question to you is, why do you think so, for so many believers being all in, if it is the safest place, why is it so hard mm. to be all in? Mm. Why do some churches mm. skew from even wanting to talk about that? Well, those are two different things, right? Because when you're, the problem with the whole, we need more people in the pews and we need them to support the programs that the, the, you know, most it's particularly evangelical churches who aren't under a, a larger, you know, church structure. They, you know, how are you going to pay the bills? What do you, you got, you got to have more butts in those chairs and, and more people writing checks so that you can keep the programs going. And so you can't make it unattractive. You, you've got to have, honestly, it's literally, you have to have an attractive speaker. Your worship team need to be beautiful people who are young and vibrant. You know, there's, notice this, there are not a lot of old worship <laughs> leaders in kind of the big, you know, thriving megachurch type thing, because the idea is young and beautiful and this is the promise, right? This is a place that's really alive. Yeah. So part of it's just the pressure of how do you keep that going? I, that's horrible. That's a lot of pressure. I think at an individual level, most people were not told, look, Jesus Christ is going to ask everything of you. But if you say yes, and you continue to say yes, he will become for you the refuge and the fortress that Psalm 91 talks about, the river of life that Psalm 1 talks about. He will become to you the 30, 60, 100-fold life, you know, in the parable of the sower and the sea. He will become to you everything, and you will be the house built on the rock. But we haven't made it clear that, for, for one thing, you, you cannot have divided affections. It, yeah. it can't be Jesus and. Yeah. Um, I give you my everything in order to have your everything. That's the only way the exchange works, right? I think it was Helen Keller had this lovely line. You remember she was blind. She, um, she said that 
God, every day God comes to give us gifts, um, but our hands are not open to receive them mm. because we're clenching things in our lives, right? Right. In fear uh, and in self-protection. And yeah, because we haven't been shown the way. Yeah. You know, so we built yeah. something. It's just absolutely fascinating, Alan. This, when we built the Pause app, we were inviting people into a daily practice of a one-minute pause. One minute. <laughs> okay. And, and then I'm like, hey, we, we need a three-minute in there, and we need a five-minute, because it actually takes the soul more time than 60 seconds yes. to let go and, and to recenter in God. But but people learn, you know, you're, you, I crawl, walk, run. Yeah. People learn. Well, the, the team building the app says, we need a 10-minute pause. And I'm like, no way, no way. Guys, <laughs> I cannot convince people to stop twice a day for 60 seconds. There's no way we're going to get them to commit for yeah. 10 minutes. And then you know what happened. Yeah. The 10-minute pause is the second most used pause in the app. Yeah. The 10-minute pause. Is this is the second most highly used pause because as people get into the way of Jesus, as you get into the practices, you begin to find out, oh my gosh, yeah. my soul needs this deeply, yeah. and I'm going to clear my schedule so that I can practice these things that truly situate me yes. in Jesus and His kingdom. Yes, I mean once you get a taste of the all in life, to me, you don't ever want to go back because you realize the other was such a fragile life built on shifting sand, yeah. like yeah. Jesus and life, but also yeah. the Jesus, as long as this isn't asked of me or yes. this is the line I can't go past. Yes, And so when you let go of Jesus and, and you let go of Jesus, as long as it stays in this range, there's a freedom in that because you are not only totally in his love and protection, but you're walking each day as a son or daughter that is mm. totally, there's no, the enemy can find no foothold. Mm -hmm. And that's, mm. that's the place I think we're saying it's the only safe place. You have to choose your heart folks. The, the big lie is if you get the right tools, the right job, the right spouse, get your kids into the right school, the big lie is you can find the trouble-free life, the hardship-free life. That's the lie. Hmm. Um, you got to choose your heart. I'm either going to choose the way of Jesus and be all in, all in, um, and practice the things that he told us to practice so that my life is truly built on the rock. I, I am truly that tree that is planted by living water. Okay, so just for example, Psalm 1, um, blessed is the man who does not stand in the way of sinners, nor um, who does not walk in the way of the wicked, stand in the way of sinners, sit in the seat of mockers. So there's the, he stops, he sits down, uh, this guy's degenerating. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree planted by streams of water, whose leaves never wither, mm. who bears fruit every season. Okay, that life. Meditating. The, the, the thing is, you are, you are giving lingering, sustained attention to yeah. the truths of God. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> like, 
people are like, no, give me the quick, I want to swipe and go, oh, that's a, that's a great little meme. I love that. Yeah. Jesus is with me every moment of the day. Oh, thank you so much. That helps you for five seconds, right? right. maybe 10. Right. And that's not what Psalm 1 is talking about. You don't get to be the tree planted by the river unless you practice lingering attention day and night in you know, what I would call the whole narrative of God. Okay, what I'm trying to say is there is a hardship that is being described in Psalm 1. You don't get to go with the flow. You don't get to go with the world. You may lose your peer group. You may be considered the really odd duck in your church. You, you may be out yeah. and you don't get you know, invited to the cool parties anymore, whatever it is, right? You may be overlooked for tenure. In your university position, because you're not, you know, going with the politically correct line. Okay, there. Someone's saying, "Oh no, no, there's a cost to this." But if you choose this, this is a life that is truly grounded in God, and you will flourish as a human being. Human beings need this. Yes. So, um, you, you have to choose your heart. There isn't a, a hardship-free way forward. And, and the people who think they've found it, I just want to say, give it time. Right. Some, something's going to blow up, right? Right. If you've arranged for this beautiful, comfortable life, God in his mercy will not let you stay there forever. The human soul is designed for the way of Jesus. We are, we are meant for the rigors of the Christian experience. Right. Okay. And if you abandon that for either the comfort culture or some other spirituality, your meditation, you know, your new age thing, it won't work. It's not like, well, try Jesus, uh, but there are other safe places in the world where your soul can take refuge. Right. We can't have any part of our life where Jesus isn't at the center. And when we do, that part of our life will blow up every time. Yeah. All right. Now I'm going to, we're going to, we're going to um, put our own movement under scrutiny here. Cause I did this the other day. We are having a vision day with the staff um, as we'll do quarterly through the year. Where are we? How are we doing? Listen to God, you know, stay with, stay with our orders. Okay. And I was talking about the progression because there is a progression, you know, I, first John, I write to you children. I write to you young men, mm-hmm. and I write to you fathers. He, he's describing, there's a progression, of right. course, yes. right? And what we mature in and what is asked of us and the sacrifices do seem to become greater and greater. So we're going to put this old diagram in the show notes if we can. The thing I drew yeah. on the board. Yeah. Okay. Good. So I'm like, so if you come into this orbit, the first thing that happens is the awakened heart. And and a life with a non-religious Jesus. You're like, wait, what? Like, I can know Jesus as he really is? The Jesus of the oceans? The Jesus of the deserts? The Jesus of the thunderstorm? Wait, what? Like, not the white robe and sandals thing? And I can get my heart back Mm -hmm. that God cares about your humanity. He is about the freeing of your heart as a man or as a woman. Like, whoa, that is incredible. And it's the first wardrobe door. It is a wardrobe door. And it leads you into a life that is just 
I mean, it, it, is, it is indescribable and incomparable to the other options, right? Yes. You get your heart back. Yes. You get to know the living God, and it leads you into a place through the first wardrobe door that is what I would just call a life with God. Wardrobe door meaning Narnia, obviously a oh, Narnia, yeah, Narnia reference. Yeah, 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 thank you. Yeah, so I'm referring to the Narnian story where the children walk through the wardrobe door and they discover this incredible land of enchantment and beauty, adventures. Yes. Okay. You get your heart back. You, you get some freedom. You get some healing. And, and you get God? Like you actually, you get to hear the voice of God. You get to experience God. What? Mm. Like that is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Here's the problem. Many people in our orbit, people who follow our stuff, stay there and go, this is amazing. Thank you so much. But you can't because the forces of the world, the forces of the kingdom of darkness, and your own personal crises, heartaches, losses, will erode that life. You can't stay static. It moves, it grows, and it matures. And you actually need to go forward. You can't just stay in like, my heart is free and God is good and I'm just enjoying my life. It doesn't work. You have to go through the next wardrobe door. And now I realize I'm outside the Narnia series There's only one wardrobe door, but there are several, okay? And the next wardrobe door is the life that says, oh, now I get it. I have to be all in. Oh, I mean, through personal losses, heartaches, tragedy, a diagnosis, uh, or for those of your loved ones, realizing the intensity of the war with the kingdom of darkness the cost of the world on your soul, you just go, oh, I have to have the all-in life. Yes. I I give everything for your everything. And we call it the amphibious life, mm-hmm. where you pass through the second wardrobe door, which is to say, I will embrace the full kingdom of God. I will take warfare seriously. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, will, I will take the availability of the kingdom of God seriously. And I will reorient literally my finances, my calendar, my friendships, I will reorient my life's purposes around God and his kingdom. Yes. And the all in life, that's because you have to progress. You have to mature or you will not make it. Right. And the stakes increase, but also when you go Mm -hmm. through that second door, the intimacy with God increases. So it's not just harder. No, no, no. It's, it's, it's everything. It's, it's, it's the relationship you loved here times exponentially more. Yeah. It's the Psalm 73 life because he, he watches in the beginning of Psalm 73. It's like, what's the deal, man? He's, he's mad at God. He says, your, your people get oppressed and robbed and violated. And that's a hard life. And I'm looking at the wicked and they're doing great, man. I see their Instagram accounts. I see these famous people and they're rich and beautiful. And if they don't like their current spouse, they just get another one. And, yeah. you know, they've, they've got a guru that they follow. And so they have a spirituality about them. And that life looks great. What's with you? This is Psalm 73. And then he says, and then I came into your presence and I beheld their end. That life 
is utter ruin. Wow. It is utter so ruin. ruin. Yeah. And what he comes to, but he hasn't gotten the comfort life. Yeah. He's still in his heartache, but here's what he says. He says, whom have I in heaven but you? And besides you, I desire nothing on earth, like over you, outside of you. Yes. It's not that you don't love your children. It's just that he says, apart from you, there is nothing, God. He says this, my flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. That's the all in life. And why are we bringing this up? Why, why are we, why are we yeah. riffing on it? First, because... I think we have done, folks, and I, I, I mean, to whatever degree that I have been a part of it, it, in in giving people the impression that just the awakened heart or um, salvation in Jesus or, you know, you can have Jesus and. I think in the developed world, the way the gospel has been presented has done people a terrible disservice. That's one reason. Yeah. Secondly, because I'm watching these phenomenons. I'm watching the John Tyson podcast explode, the John Mark Comer. And these are good guys. I like them a lot. Yes. Um, I'm watching like the migration to places like the Eastern Orthodox Church and its rigors and going, okay, the human soul is craving the real thing. They are. We've got to be honest with people. Mm-hmm. Christianity has not been tried and found wanting. It's been found difficult by most people and left untried, you know, that we we don't want to truly give it all over. Yes. And this came up in the staff thing this, this last time around because I think the pressures on the human heart and soul, I think the pressures on human society are, are just reaching a point of utter madness utter madness. And now we're into the, you know, presidential cycle here in the U.S., which will be utter madness and, and, and toxic to the human soul. Um, it is not civil discourse. <laughs> it, you know, it, right. it, it is right. not, it is not a loving, kind, reasonable deliberation on the values of human life and how to best enact them. Like it is not anything close to that. I think we're at a place in the world um, where we've just got to be honest with people. Jesus is your refuge and your fortress. He is. You can be the tree that is planted by the river whose leaves do not wither. You can. Who bears fruit in all seasons. You can. You can be the house that is built on the rock and the storm can absolutely descend on you and you will not be shaken. You will not be moved. You will not fall, right? Right. You can right. if you are all in and you reorient your life to say, God is the center. Jesus is the epicenter of all things. Finances, calendar, relationships. Yes, church practices, all things. My career, my aspirations. My orders are from you, Lord, and I am going to take up a way of life that enables me to be that person that is deeply, deeply rooted in the presence of God and his teachings, the teachings of Jesus and the, the fullness of the scriptures. You can. You can be that person. And I just think we need to be honest and say, but only 
only through that set of choices. This it's so orienting and and just sobering because if we don't, I would say you won't make it right. to the finish line. Like you will bow your knee to something else. Yeah. You will walk away at some point. Or the storms will break you. Or yeah. They'll it's, break your right. heart. Like, right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. This is the moment that we're in and the all in life is the safest place in the world. And it's the only safe place in the world.